everyone, and I hope you're getting ready for Thanksgiving this coming Thursday. Can you believe that it is already time for Thanksgiving? Oh my gosh. Uh, but I wanted to do something a little different this year. I like listening to Audible, and I typically will choose a story for Thanksgiving that I can listen to for this holiday season, and then I go from Thanksgiving right into Christmas. Well, this year I wasn't able to find anything that I didn't already own and I was a little disappointed but then I thought about the fact that I'm a writer so I could just go ahead and write my own and that's exactly what I've started doing. The story that you are going to listen to or I hope you're about to listen to is called The Gathering and it's about the Atwood family and their way of trying to come back together again after having a long period of time of separation. So I hope that you will tune in. This is just part one. Uh, there are more to come and it quite possibly the way that things are shaping out, it might start off here at Thanksgiving and we might go all the way through to Christmas. We'll see how that goes. But anyhow, thank you for tuning in. And again, we wish you a very happy, happy Thanksgiving. The Gathering, Chapter One. If what was happening in the kitchen right now was any indication, Thanksgiving was shaping up to be a complete disaster. The mixed greens still looked uncooked, and that was after being in the pot for at least an hour. The mashed potatoes were soupy, and by all that was holy, the turkey was golden brown on the outside and raw pink on the inside. How does one even do that? Addie shook her head and placed her newly issued HC device back in her pocket. What on earth had she just witnessed? That was funny, on earth. Using that expression hadn't been intentional. For the briefest of moments, she allowed her thoughts to carry her back to her last holiday season in Pennsylvania. It had truly been one of the best. Almost the whole family had made it home, with the exception of her brother Nate. His absence was felt, but it didn't hurt as much as it had in the past, because there was a new addition that year. Only three months earlier, Addie's oldest grandson Grant had become a father, making Addie a great-grandmother in every sense of the word. And that Thanksgiving, Addie wasted no time using the invisible weight of the title to feed the already full-faced baby a spoonful of mashed potatoes topped with a hint of gravy. She remembered the look on Helen's, that's Grant's wife and mother of baby Brent's, face and watched from across the table. Helen was not happy. Her face was a telltale look filled with both concern for the welfare of her newborn and a hint of agitation towards Addie's boldness. The memory lifted the corners of Addie's mouth into a self-satisfying smile. Addie knew she had overstepped that day, but she found new mothers to be overly cautious and placed undue faith in every single word they were told by pediatricians or baby whisperers. Hadn't Addie raised her children in a healthy and happy manner based on the proven methods of years of child-rearing practices of her mother, aunt, and grandmothers? Well, there was no time to dwell on that now. A gentle breeze passed over her as the ginormous white oak doors that Addie had been waiting in front of opened. Her thoughts were cut short as she heard her name. She was being beckoned inside by Joy, the chief's assistant. 
She'll see you now. The words came out like a sing-song melody. They were like a warm hug that filled Addie with a wave of emotion. A happy one, just like the exuberance Joy's name implied. If only she could make her request to Joy instead of the person she'd been granted an audience with. Perhaps then she would have more of a chance in getting her request approved. Nevertheless, Addie nodded her head and followed Joy. Behind an oblong desk, iridescent in color, sat a beautiful woman with shoulder-length dark hair and only the slightest hint of gray. No, not gray, silver. Her eyes were the lightest brown Addie had ever seen and they shone with wisdom, a deep-rooted wisdom that could only have come about by being in a place like this. It was hard to tell her age by first glance, but Addie already knew that although time passed differently here, this woman was at least 2,000 plus years old. Adeline. She stood from behind her desk and motioned for Addie to take a seat in one of the white velvet armchairs. Her smile was welcoming as well as her voice. Joy stepped out of the office and the oversized doors glided closed behind her. Why couldn't Joy have stayed? Addie would have felt more comfortable. There was no fear here, though, and up until now, she'd only felt peace, love, and warmth. The kind that filled every place in her being. So much so that there had never been space for anything else to reside. Not doubt, sorrow, or regret. But right now, what Addie was feeling didn't seem to fit into either of these categories. Was it nervousness, maybe? Yes. The fluttering that tingled from the top of her head down to her toes felt most like she remembered nervousness. Addie spoke first. Blessings on you, ma'am. She wasn't sure how to address this woman looking at and through her at the same time, the chief. Now, what is it that's brought you before me today? Although her smile remained as she asked the question, the fluttering seemed to intensify across Addie's chest. But she had to do this. Not for her benefit, obviously. She was beyond that now. The reason for her being here, facing the chief in her office, was for the sake of her family back on Earth. Ma'am, Addie started. Please, Adeline, you may call me Lois. The chief's use of Addie's full name was like receiving another hug. Lois, she started again. I've been here over 30 years according to Earth's time, and... I've just been allowed for the first time to check in on my family with my newly issued Heavenly Communicator. And I have to admit, I didn't like what I saw. She paused. Addie went back to the scene she witnessed only moments earlier on the screen of her HC. And it was at this point that she decided her desire to see her family mended superseded that other emotion, which she still couldn't quite define. She cleared her throat, and this time when she spoke, there was determination, purpose in her voice. My children and grandchildren are all so far apart, physically but emotionally too. Even though I was only allowed to see them briefly, I can't explain it, but it appears that they don't even get together for the holidays anymore, or at all. I mean, I just watched my granddaughter ruin the Thanksgiving meal she is preparing to have with her friends. Apparently, there's a new trend on Earth called Friendsgiving. Have you heard of it? Addie noticed the corners of the chief's mouth lift ever so slightly. There was also a knowing twinkling in her eye. Could it be that Lois knew where Addie was leading up to? 
The chief waved her hand in a broad gesture, and an image flashed of several people in various places having what Addie could only guess were Friendsgiving get-togethers. Yes, I have. But of course, when I lived on Earth, we didn't even have Thanksgiving. That was an American tradition which came about many, many years after I was already departed. Well, ma'am, Addie caught herself. I mean, Lois, I know the MOH team is beginning to prepare for their missions on Earth as Christmas approaches, and, well, I like to ask a team be assigned to my family. There. She'd gotten it out. Lois blinked her eyes a few times in rapid succession. Perhaps Addie was wrong, and Lois hadn't known what she was going to say after all. More silence. Addie repeated what she just said, but this time in her head. She thought she'd been clear enough. Just then, Lois laughed. You were indeed clear in your request. Addie knew that it wasn't possible for her to blush here, but if she could, she would be doing just that. How could she forget that thoughts were shared? Leia swallowed the biggest sob that it may have ever formed in her chest, stood up from the stool, and channeling her inner childlike stubbornness, she stomped her ugg-slippered foot. You will not cry. Her eyes, though pooled with tears, looked from the left to the right of her kitchen. Earlier, before she ventured to prepare this Friendsgiving dinner, which, by the way, she was hosting in just a few hours, the space had looked like something out of Country Kitchen magazine. Usually, Leia loved how the kitchen looked, and even more, how it made her feel. Right now, she didn't like either. It looked as though a food bomb had gone off. The long island in the middle of the kitchen, which currently had a combination of onion, green, yellow, and red bell pepper juices, slivers of mushrooms, or at least that's what she thought they were, had four chocolate-colored leather bar stools, and it reminded her of the one her grandmother Addie had in her home. Actually, it was the main reason she had purchased the house. Grandma Addie even had a name for her kitchen, The Gathering. All family meetings were held in the oversized kitchen, but those intimate heart-to-heart -heart talks, well, those were held at this island over an age-appropriate warm beverage of choice. The rustic white cabinets made by her Grandpa Simon hung proudly on the accrued-colored painted walls. Espresso-colored granite countertops, a deep double sink with a long gooseneck faucet, stainless steel appliances, and a table which seated six all oversaw the countless meetings and conversations which took place in the warm, inviting space. Leia remembered the summer she turned 16 and she asked her Grandma Addie where the name The Gathering came from. Grandma Addie took out Leia's personal mug. Everyone had a mug. Hers was short and yellow with her name spelled out in white daisies and filled it with a cup of hot chocolate. To this day, that was still Leia's choice of warm beverages. Her grandmother had filled her own cup with herbal tea and sipped the steaming liquid with no trepidation and began to tell Leia a story. Growing up, our home was very small. I had to share a room with my three sisters and Mama and Papa's room was separated from ours by the one bathroom we all shared. Our living room was more like a den in size, but our kitchen? Our kitchen was large with a potbelly stove in the corner and a long table that Papa built for all of us to sit at for our meals. At supper, when Papa got home from the newspaper, he'd wash up and ask for us to bless the table. Then we'd eat dinner and afterwards Mama would serve whatever dessert she prepared by scratch 
and we take turns telling him about our day. Even though we all ate our meals at the table, dinner was the most enjoyable because we gathered together and talked. We only had one television at the time, which was mostly used on the weekends. And I know that may sound crazy, since nowadays there's a television in nearly every room in the house. Never mind all those other devices which buy for one's attention. But it's true. It was a simpler time, and I'm so glad that I experienced it. Well, when I met and later married your grandpa, Simon, we knew we wanted to have at least two or three children whenever the good Lord blessed us. And we started off with a house not that much bigger than the one I grew up in. Several years later, after your dad was born, your grandpa received a large bonus because he had landed this lucrative account for the marketing firm where he worked. We immediately knew what we were going to do with the money and started searching for a home that would allow for a size family we had hoped to have in the near future. We purchased this house because it had four bedrooms, which was a lot at that time, and the kitchen was large enough to have a dining room table and now, some years later, this island. The dining room table was reserved for meals and family meetings and the island for intimate conversations like this one. So whenever your grandpa Simon and I wanted to hold a family meeting when your dad, aunts and uncles were all younger, we tell them to gather at the table and eventually I just started telling them to come to the gathering. Leah loved the story so much that she would ask her grandma Addie the question just to have some hot chocolate while she listened, as if she was hearing it for the very first time. Coming back from the memory, Leah blinked back tears threatening to streak her already dampened face. The struggle that had taken place in the kitchen had indeed been real. The sweat which now ruined the blowout she had gotten this morning for tonight's dinner was proof. And in the same way a person conceded in a contest that he or she was clearly not going to win, she readily accepted the realization she was not coming out of this feat on the upside of success without some serious help. Smoothing her drooping curls out of her face with one hand, she reached into her back pocket and pulled out her cell phone with the other. Given the extreme condition of the mess in front of her, there was only one person who could just possibly, with a wing and a ton of prayer, save her dinner. She dialed the numbers and hoped she wasn't about to create a bigger mess than the one spread to nearly every corner of her once picture-perfect kitchen. Chapter 2 Avery couldn't watch anymore. The series reminded her too much of her own family, precisely the reason it was one of her favorites. She longed for them with her whole heart, and on days like this one, it literally felt as if there was a piece of her missing. Truth be told, there was. Six years ago might as well have been just yesterday to Avery. To Avery, there would never be enough time or distance to separate her from the night that life took an unimaginable turn and left her with a well of regret. The events of that day lived on in both Avery's waking and sleeping hours without any signs of a reprieve. Some nights, the memory was so vivid she could hear him calling her name just before the car slammed into them. Her nose filled with the smell of burning fuel and the overwhelming stench of melting rubber. It wasn't uncommon for her to have to rush to the bathroom and vomit as a result. Everything had happened in a pulse of a second. One unforeseeable moment. Funny how a person could work for a goal like becoming one of the youngest partners in their advertisement company which took years to attain, 
but a single act of providence could ruin it all in less than 1.3 seconds. Just that morning, he turned 18, the same day as his high school graduation. Avery thought it would be fun to let him drive to the 7-Eleven that night to get some more ice for the mocktails his dad was serving at his graduation party in the backyard. To him, it was the highlight of his day. He was getting the chance to drive a brand new Tesla Model S, and Avery breamed with pride because she'd done that. She had been so arrogant. God, if she could only go back in time, things would be different. Many days and too many nights to keep track of anymore, Avery's heart wished beyond all that was within her that she could do just that, travel back in time. All of her life, she believed the old proverb, where there's a will, there's a way. Nothing she had ever set out to accomplish was done without that thought in mind. It was her mantra, or at least it had been. Being the youngest of her parents' four children, she felt she had to work harder than her siblings. There was an inherent need for her to prove that despite being the last born, she did not suffer from the youngest child syndrome. That nothing had just been handed to her, that her successes were as a direct result of her effort and willpower, and not from the extenuating order of her birth as last born. And certainly not because her parents had coddled her her whole life. Even if that was what her oldest brother Grant had teased her relentlessly that they had indeed. The same day she was named partner, Avery, wasting no time, went out and purchased the Tesla as a reward for her hard work. And she didn't go the frugal route either. She opted for the Model S 85D with the rear-wheel drive. The vehicle, rightfully dubbed Cayenne, red sleek body with beige soft leather interior, was an ego booster whenever Avery took the wheel. Cayenne was as sexy as all get-up. Exactly how Avery felt parading her around town while other less fortunate drivers and long-suffering pedestrians alike gazed on with looks of adoration and envy as she drove by. How could she have known that the trophy would come with such a high price, one that she couldn't afford to pay? The life of her only nephew, Brent. Avery looked back to the television, which was still on. The two main characters were now holding each other in a tight embrace. Her face was nuzzled between his neck and his shoulder, and by the way her upper body made quick jerks, you could tell she was crying. In response, he was caressing her back in soft up and down motions while kissing the top of her head. When, just a few scenes earlier, their argument made the viewer wonder if it was the end of their marriage. No matter what the cast of characters faced, they were always able to work it out in the end. The thought conjured the familiar pang that gripped her heart like it always did when she found herself reliving that awful night and the consequences which followed. Yes, when you had a room full of writers creating conflict resolutions, happy endings and forgiveness were effortless. But this was real life. And in real life, there weren't always happy endings, no matter how much you may have truly wanted one. She should know. Otherwise, Brent would be alive, and she wouldn't be the hint of a person she used to be. No amount of begging, pleading, apologizing, or bargaining had kept Brent from dying in the hospital just an hour into the emergency surgery he underwent. Out of sheer desperation, Avery had even prayed to her grandma Addie would intervene. But not even she would turn those dark orders of events that night from tragedy to triumph. <laughs> 
It's worse than I thought. Now do you see why I'm here, Lois? Addie had been using the HC communicator to show Lois different moments currently happening in the lives of her family. They were practically making her case for her. Not only that, but to think that her great-grandson, who she'd only just been reminiscing about earlier, holding and feeding, was perhaps in the same place she was in now. Why hadn't she known this before? Was it too late for her to get things fixed in time for the holiday season? If Lois did grant her request, would one team be enough? And why was she feeling what seemed like angst? What was happening to her today? All of these thoughts raced through Addie's mind in rapid succession. Adeline. Lois called to Addie's consciousness. Immediately, Addie's thoughts calmed and she met Lois's gaze. Take a breath. Lois's voice was a gentle command which Addie obeyed without hesitation. Deep breath in, slow breath out. It was amazing. She felt like herself again. A new question began to formulate in her mind, but before she could speak the words, Lois answered. Anytime we come into contact with life back on Earth, we open ourselves to all the manifestations of what that realm produces. Although we are spirit beings, we are not exempt from human emotions while interacting with them. It helps us to be able to help them. But only those of us who have proven strong in our faith, fortified in his love, and not easily drawn over to human emotions are able to accept assignments of entertainment. Assignments of entertainment. Addie only had to think of the words for a half a second before a knowing surged in her mind. Oh, from the verse in the Bible which tells us to not forget to show kindness to strangers because we may be entertaining an angel without knowing it, right? Lois only nodded her head in response. Something was wrong, though. Addie spoke up to make her point. But we're not angels, or are we? No, Adeline, we are indeed not angels. However, on occasion we are partnered with our heavenly companions to assist in cases that are of the utmost importance. Encounters that have the ability to alter or influence the very course of human events. Well, this was an interesting new development. Should she dare to hope that there was even the slightest chance that she could not only convince Lois to send a mission of help team to her family, but maybe perhaps grant her permission to accompany them as well? I'm afraid not, Adeline. That is out of the question. Again, Addie didn't hear the words aloud, but in her consciousness. She really would have to remember about the shared thoughts functionality. This was the most she had experienced it since being here. Ma'am, ugh! Lois, not to be difficult, but is there someone you can ask or... Addie took a confident step closer to Lois, wanting Lois to see that Addie hoped would look to be desperation in her eyes. Or someone I might be able to ask? I know my family and there's a better chance of them cooperating if I was a part of the mission. For reasons not even clear to Lois, she was considering reaching out to Gabriel on Addie's behalf. Just because a newcomer had never been sent back before, unless there was a mitigating circumstance, didn't mean Addie couldn't be the first. She was somewhat reluctant, though. Not out of fear, since it didn't exist here, but because she already knew that Gabriel, along with the other archangels, were assembling the teams for MOH. Lois pressed her hands together as if she was about to pray and nodded her head. Okay. I'll present your request, but there's a good chance it won't be granted. 
I will have Joy invite you back once I have spoken with Gabriel. And as if on cue, the large white oak doors opened. Clearly, the meeting was over.